On today's Heartland Pod for December 13th, 2021, we take our Build Back Better bets, Chris Christie's cry for relevance, Missouri's potential pot push, Eric Smears Schmidt on everything, a way too early look at 2024 and Biden's polling numbers, and a preview of a last call about checking in with one another. Plus, I have an opening statement about the realities of the debate going on right now. So let's go. Welcome back to the Heartland Pod. My name is Adam Summer, and I am your host. Glad to have you with us. And for new folks, welcome to our corner of the podcasting universe. We are bringing political analysis from and about the Heartland. Be sure to follow at the Heartland Pod on Twitter and Facebook. That is the Heartland Pod. Subscribe on your favorite podcast service. Get all of our free content. The show is almost exclusively free. There's only some tiny parts that aren't free, which I'll talk about in a second. We do have our Patreon subscribers page as well. You can get that easily at heartlandpod.com. Get signed up. At 5 bucks a month, you get access to all of the premium content that we have. That includes premium show content, which is The Last Call. We have a little preview at the end of this show for what The Last Call will be this week. But do you want the whole thing? That's behind that paywall. That's what that five bucks a month gets you. Uh, it also gets you some uncensored versions of things. There was a Delta episode uh, a couple of weeks ago with myself and Nicholas Linky. Uh, there's two different versions of that. There's the one that we put out, and then there's the one that you get if you're a, a pothead. Uh, so, you know. There it is. Uh, We also have the Heartland News, which has a new post. Rachel Parker just put a piece up uh, tonight. I'm recording this on Sunday night. She just put it up. It'll be there when you're listening to this. That goes behind that uh, that five bucks a month. You get all of that stuff, and there's more stuff coming here after the new year. Uh, your support allows us to continue to grow this project as a wholly independent podcast. You are hearing me from my little basement room, uh, kind of a studio. There's also a, a storage shelf with a, a cooler and some uh, baby food items on it as well. Uh, but we, we really do appreciate all of our Patreon subscribers. We saw a handful more this uh, past week, and it's just so cool. It means so much to us every time we see one. Uh, really, it's just it's a, it's a big deal. Uh, we have another pack show. Lots and lots and lots of topics for you. Thank you to Rachel and Sean for holding down the fort last week while I had some fun cheering on the Chiefs. Uh, when I was a kid, my stepdad took me to a preseason game. He drove me across the, straight, uh, the state uh, in a truck that shouldn't have been driven across the state at all uh, in Missouri, uh, fighting the radiator the whole way, right? And this is preseason, so it's like August, and uh, we had to stop, and he put water in, and it exploded a couple times. But we went to that game, and I will never forget that first experience. It's, it's a little different these days, but but anyway, it was, it was fun to get to be a listener last week uh, and listen to them, and I hope you enjoy all three of us back together this week. Uh, tomorrow and Thursday, so Tuesday and Thursday this week, you can look for my interview with Missouri Times publisher, host of This Week in Missouri Politics, Scott Fawn. Uh, he happened to be in my neck of the woods doing some things, and he was kind enough to stop by my office. Uh, so I took my recording stuff in with me to the office, and we sat down and had a chat. Uh, we talked for a long time, over an hour, so I'm actually going to split it up into two parts. So part one on Tuesday, part two on Thursday, and you know whether you love Scott or hate Scott or agree with him, totally disagree with him, whatever. I can tell you it was a very interesting uh, chat, and 
you know, Scott doesn't pull punches. And so, you know, he, there's plenty of stuff he said that I, I didn't necessarily agree with. It wasn't that kind of a thing. You know, it wasn't a debate or anything. It was just a conversation. So I let him say what he said. He let me say what I said. And, you know, we had lunch and, and it was good. Um, we talk about the Senate race. We talk about some congressional stuff. We talk about the state of play in Missouri politics in general. Talk about some media stuff. So pretty far ranging. And, uh, you know, I think it's I think it's a good chat. I think it's pretty, pretty interesting to hear. So this past week was full of craziness nationally, uh, and here in Missouri, even more so. Uh, Attorney General Eric Schmidt was able to absolutely dominate the news cycle with his orders and directives, and we'll dig into that stuff in the main part of the show. But before we get to that, Schmidt had actually posted this tweet about uh, on his personal candidate account, uh, and basically... <laughs> That tweet made me think about the 14th Amendment. And so I have an opening statement about the United States of America, the role of government, and the reality of the debate that we're having right now. So here's the opening statement before we get to the talk in politics. Stick around. Last week on December 7th, the anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, Eric Schmidt, as a Senate candidate here in Missouri, posted to his Twitter, It's the United States of America. The states created the federal government of limited all caps powers, and the states create local political subdivisions with certain powers. None can infringe on the rights of the people. My job is to fight back when overreach happens. The emphasis on states, all caps, is what caught my eye. Otherwise, this is another in a long line of hyperbolic BS political statements designed to appeal to a portion of voters, get some pissed off liberals to quote tweet it out of spite, and really nothing more. But that emphasis is important on states. That emphasis matters. Now, first, the obvious. You can choose to emphasize any of the words based on the meaning you want to convey. I could say it's the United All Caps States of America. I could say it's the United States of America all caps. doesn't actually mean anything to do it that way. Second, it's just a super lazy way to try to say something. As a lawyer, Schmidt should easily know that the U.S. Constitution is the supreme law of the land. In all corridors, the 14th Amendment put into words the application of the other provisions to the laws of the states, specifically for the issue of national importance. At the time, it was to deal with one very specific problem, slavery. The 13th Amendment abolished slavery under the Constitution, but the 14th Amendment, thanks to substantive due process and equal protection, forced the states, all caps, to apply that abolition to its people, along with other parts of that law that weren't previously included. It also allowed citizenship and legal protections. The relevant part reads this, no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. This single run-on sentence stands directly opposed to Schmidt's argument. His political sleight of hand completely ignores the legal realities of the 14th Amendment because he isn't actually interested in the protection of the people here. And if we take him at his word, he doesn't even emphasize people, just states, and limited. Why? Well, the obvious political aspirations aside, because he was arguing in favor of the very actions he took later in the week. 
his order to schools and health departments that they cannot impose COVID restrictions. And what many have pointed out is a flat-out misstatement on the actual case, the actual law decided by the Missouri court on which he is building his Senate run now. This reality that this idea that the states are at all times the supreme law is simply wrong. The law flows like a funnel down from the federal level to your most local of bodies, school boards, library boards, health boards. Although Schmidt would like to take their powers and give those to the state as well. There was a time the role of government was the debate. How big should it be? What things should it do? Schmidt and others seem to want to have that debate again. Though it was truly settled some number of years ago, the debate has existed under the surface since the traitors of the Confederacy surrendered their failing war. The debate existed from the very formation of the nation. The core divided that lead to the first political parties of America. The issue that shifted Madison from a general constitutionalist to a true anti-federalist on the one side, those like Hamilton on the other side, the Jeffersonians. Those who have studied history understand Hamilton's vision ultimately won, but the victory has always been a boat atop a rolling sea. Many of the same folks who don't see a problem with what happened on January 6, 2021, really want to have that debate again. They want to force you and me to agree with them, and the federal government says they just can't do that. The 14th Amendment is a thorn in the side of those who oppose progress just as much today as it was in 1868 when it was ratified. They want to remove the thorn. I say we twist it instead. Talking Politics. All right, we are back. I am back for talking politics with Rachel, Sean, and Adam, and it is good to be back. Had an awesome week. Got to celebrate the Chiefs win in person last week, and then got to celebrate it an even bigger win today against the the stupid Raiders. So that was awesome. Uh, although they won so big today that I don't, I don't know if I have to not go to the rest of the games, but that's I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. Uh, I am sipping on, I have a delicious uh, green tea that I'm just finishing, and then I have uh, switching over to some West Bottoms Whiskey Company out of Kansas City, uh, proudly made in Kansas City, Missouri, so should be a wild ride for tonight. Rachel Parker, how you doing? What you sipping on? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. We'll talk about this a little bit later in last call, but um, <laughs> I've been getting some treatment for the neck issues that I've talked about, and... Uh, yesterday and today I can really feel the impact of the medication actually working. Good. So I'm like, Oh, I'm myself. Like yeah, this is the first time in a couple of weeks that you haven't like had to like position yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You so, so if, so the, the guys have been seeing me, my, my fellow, my partners in crime here have been watching me look like someone who couldn't hold her head up because it was so <laughs> painful and so I'd have to kind of like, I have, a, I have, a, I got a new, uh, extremely ergonomic desk chair, which I should have done years ago anyway, before this all happened. Um, and I have to kind of, I would have to kind of lean back and like put the head on the neck support, sit there and then unmute myself, lean forward, lean back. And now I'm just like, <laughs> what's up leaning forward. How you doing? So that's exciting. And, uh, I don't know that tornado dude. Like I, that was wild. I've of half a century. I've been on this planet. And if I'd ever seen a tornado in December, I would tell you, 
I'd be like, oh yeah, this shit happens. All people are exaggerating. You know, no, I've never seen a tornado in uh, in December. That was freaky. That was freaky. We're just looking at the. We're just watching. Like, is it going to touch down? Is it going to touch down? How is this real? Uh, so that was that freaked me out. Um, but but I, I'm okay. It's fine. I'm, I'm. It's been a shook week. I'm I'm shook. That's how I am. I should have <laughs> said that shit from the beginning. I'm shook. Shook. S H O O K shook. And I'm sipping on my my patented blend of. Okay, so this is what the twelve ounce. Yeah. It's the it's the reusable Starbucks cup that looks like a Starbucks. Like what is yeah. this a, a grande, grande or a venti? Whatever. I don't know. It's got the mermaid on it. Uh, and it's the two Tazo decaf chai tea bags and a teaspoon of sugar and a splash of half and half. And it's 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 good for what ails you. I like it's my winter drink, I've decided. It's really beautiful. Sean, how about you? How you doing? What you sipping on? Doing great, doing great. Um definitely not shook. Ain't nobody got time for that. My wife is 38 weeks pregnant. I was gonna say, can uh, we talk about where your head is at right now? <laughs> rock steady, baby. Yeah. <laughs> No, Maybe number two, um, any moment could happen during the podcast. We don't know. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so awesome. yeah, no, but feeling good and sipping on some uh, honey vanilla chamomile tea as well. You have because the smile of a man right now that lives in a, in a really progressive city and state. So right. good for you. It's in my in my notes for the yeah yeah for some of these topics. Yeah, you also got the smile of a man who thinks he knows what it's like to have kids because he has one kid. And is about to have two kids, which is a hundred percent more kids. We talked about this before we recorded last week. I was like, "Dude, are you ready?" And he was like, "I'm so excited." I was like, "Oh, okay, that's really good." <laughs> no, yeah. actually, going from one to two is not bad because you have two adults. It's the two to three jump, and people tell you that that like three is like. One is one, two is two, and three is ten, and they're right. Like three is just because there's always somebody that's unattended. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be rough. It's, a lot of my friends have three kids. Growing up, I would have never thought that uh, so many of my best friends would have three kids. But uh, yeah, I don't know how you guys do it. My sister wanted to do three because there's three of us, and she's like, "It was it's always fun. Like that way, that way, one person always has a person. Like you can't mm-hmm. like not that there were ever any issues with right. anybody, but but then she had two. She was like, "Oh no, oh no, this no, this is good." No also, more. the answer to three is uh, West Bottoms Whiskey Company out of Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> West Bottoms. <laughs> the no smell, no tell. Uh, all right. So our topics tonight, we have first uh, our true or false. True or false. All right. True or false. The Build Back Better plan passes. Before Christmas, Sean, true or false? I feel out on a limb, but I'm going to say true. Why? I think, well, I think the vaccine vote in the Senate was built to give Mansion and Cinema cover, and anyone else who needed some cover, and hopefully, but they were sticking it to Biden, right? <laughs> right. Gotcha. Right. So, yeah, but I mean. Democrats don't need any Republicans to do this. That's always been the plan. Everyone mm-hmm. should be on board. So hopefully they can get it across the finish line. I'm going to say true. Rachel. I'm going to say true because I, th- I think they have to, right? Like there's a, there's a, I don't, I don't understand the in- invisible nonsensical clocks that exist in Congress, but there is one. Um, really? It's just elections. 
Yeah. <laughs> but they but, said like they have to get it done by a certain time or the house has to revote on the, I don't know. I don't know because it's budget reconciliation. It's not legislation. It's weird. So that I don't under, I don't understand the parliamentary stuff of it, but um, I'm going to say true because I need to believe that the child care tax credit is going to be permanent and that we are going to get some kind of climate change legislation on the books before I turn 60. How's that? How's yeah, that? That's fair. I think I'm going to say true also. And I really don't know why. I don't know. It just feels like at this point, they, if they're smart, then they realize that not passing it definitely hurts them. Right. So passing it is either going to hurt you or help you, but it has possible positive outcomes, whereas not passing it only has negative outcomes. But don't you think that there are 49 people who are very well aware of what not passing it will do who <laughs> want to pass it right now? And there's just two that don't have any real investment in their political future and just yeah. could care less about anything. Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. Well, it's not just the 49 against two. That's the whole thing is like. You want to write off the other party because you can't depend on them for votes. Of course, that's, legislation. I, that's, that's right. That's but right. Literally when it one, comes to, one or two Republicans could solve this problem. Right. Oh, in a second, I would if I were one of them. I would but totally then, do it. Yeah. Well, and then the reality is that if you're for the legislation, you're not in a 49 to one majority. You're in an, you know, evenly divided fight where the other side has a ton of money and doesn't want you to win. You know, right. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. That's true. Well, we. I would McCain it if I were if I were if I were any kind of a moderate. I would make a big swing right now to become like the face of the moderate Republican movement, and I would I would like Lisa like Murkowski. What are you doing? Just do it. Just do it. Just go for it. Who cares? Whatever. Are you a Christy gal? Are you going to be? Are you going to get behind? Uh... Chris Christie. Oh, we're about to talk about. <laughs> Are you insane? Have you? We're gonna hold. Here, here, let's just let's just change let's just change our topic here because we'll just we'll just go right uh, into the next one. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Chris Christie's book tour, an attempt at relevance. Uh, he's now blaming Trump for giving him COVID to try to get people to pay attention to him. Um, but he still says he would have voted for Trump again and again and again and again and again. Reportedly, in the first week, his book sold 3,000 copies in one week, which is wow. a low number. Well, he's a old enough it's politician. The, Don't they know they can buy a bunch of books? Why didn't right. he? Don't they? Why didn't they, they have that, that together? Yeah, that's like part of it, right? Yeah. You gotta get yourself up on the list. Um, <laughs> the, that's there's the, a that's the yeah no that yeah knows itself those numbers like, it? no yeah. no I mean, the whole world has said no <laughs> uh, there's a report from the Washington Examiner that a bunch of Trump fans bought Trump's new book just to beat Christie's uh, so now they're owning the libs and whatever the hell Chris Christie is these days so Sean was asking Rachel the question so Rachel take it away are you are you a Chris Christie supporter is that where have you're you, going with this have you lost your ever living mind um <laughs> No, he's the weirdest him. He's one of those really weird, like never Trumpers who, you know, right after the but election, he wasn't a never Trumper. He was, a no, but he said it, he said he was. And then I was like, wait, but you helped, you were on his transition team. You were always sitting next to him. You're always taking his phone calls. And he, you know, like he was like, well, I don't like how ugly he's been, but I'm going to go work for him as soon as I get done with this interview, like whatever that even is. Um, <laughs> it's what and, every Republican uh, basically yeah. said except for the ones yeah. who had no complaint with trump at all 
But no, there were plenty of Republicans that were like, I like him. I think he's going to be great for the country. He's rocking my socks. You know, like I'm all here for this. Um, Like Ted Cruz just doubled down. He was just like, boom, like he was just in like Rubio. Boom. Like those guys were just all over it from jump. And Christie isn't in the Senate. So you could just kind of be like, oh, well, I mean, I'd rather that he didn't say those things. Whatever. I can't. I mean, Christie's one of those like he's so typical. And he's one of those people that when people talk about like this, this liberal East coast elite, I point to him and I'm like, he was the governor of New Jersey, which is the Northeast. Like he's the picture of the thing that isn't real about what you say, but whatever. <laughs> right. The governor of what state? Yeah. <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> oh, nice. Throw it back. Nice. Nice. I will never not find that funny. Even though no, that was a, a good one. Niche it was a really thing. good bit. Really good. Fred bit. Armisen has never done something that wasn't really funny. Right. I'm so glad he was on that really recent thing, just in the background, the Jason Sudeikis. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the clarinet, or yeah, something. <laughs> just hair. I don't know. Uh, good stuff. What about Can you? Can I answer Sean? on the Chris? Yeah. 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 No, Chris Christie. I mean, I don't know what's going on right now. We've got a long time, but I absolutely think Chris Christie could win a national election among against you know, depending on a Democrat he's against. He was in the lane Trump was in until Trump pushed he, him out of he it. He was that lane. Right, yeah. right. I remember a huge banner at a Christie rally, an early Christie rally that just but said, has, telling it like it is. Telling it he like has it is. No, yeah. He has no charisma, I don't think. Like, what? You're crazy. Oh, I don't think oh, he does. I think he's got a little bit of charisma. I actually, so I actually wrote uh, back, back before uh, I got fancy. I used to have a blog called The Pursuit, and I wrote basically prediction pieces. And before Trump even really got serious about anything, right, when it looked like it was going to be Christie and, you know, around kind of the everybody we thought, right, Jeb and uh, Christie and all them. And uh, so I wrote a piece about, like, how do the Republicans beat Hillary Clinton? They nominate Chris Christie because he's he's the guy who can be tough and can scoff at everything Hillary says and make them feel good about like being straight talking, tell it like it is tough guys. And then Trump came Angry in and was whites. just like, yeah, let right. me let me show you how this is done. Right. And that's, you know, that's the appeal. It's to angry whites. Yeah. I don't think it's to everyone, Rachel, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. And I see him on. George Stephanopoulos' show. I didn't see it today. I don't even know if he's going to appeal to those. I mean, maybe like, yeah, some of them. I don't know. Like, I I don't see it. Well, I, I don't, think at I this really point, don't see he's it. that step backwards, right? It's I like, don't really see it. It's like, you know, if you've been watching porn and then somebody's like, here's a Sears catalog. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, they're all going to seem like, <laughs> I mean, they're all going to feel a little bit flaccid after. Right. Donald Trump was just hardcore pornography right. being streamed yeah. directly into their brains for years. And yeah. flaccid and Sears catalog do sound appropriate for Chris Christie. <laughs> oh, oh, there we go. And that's our cue to move wow. on. Wow. That is our cue to move on to the next round for sure. Touche, uh, Sean. My God. Whew. <laughs> I didn't quite know you had that in you, sir. All right, buy or sell, Missouri will legalize recreational marijuana soon. Uh, There was an article in the Missouri Independent uh, kind of breaking this down. Really neat article uh, from Jeff Mizanski. I think I got that right. I don't know. About his own history, his own criminal history, and basically all of it connected to marijuana. And, uh, of course, there was just recently Governor Parson is making his I don't have to own these statements because he knows that nobody's going to remember him in six months when he lies about him. And also he knows they're probably not going to pass the current legislature, Uh, but he's calling for legalization. So uh, 
buy it or sell it. Rachel, buy it or sell it. Well, I we were talking last week when we were trying desperately not to destroy the, our listenership <laughs> without Adam Summer, our host and producer. Um, we did okay. I listened to it. I listened to it this weekend, Sean. We did all right. I thought it was pretty right. good. I like. We it. have a natural rapport together, so that carried us along. Like our genuine affection for each other yeah. was good. kind of the the hero of the day. And that I've been kind of anyway, afraid. I said it's, no, it's, it's actually okay. I've been watching that Beatles documentary, and uh, one of my one of the people I know worked listens to the show was talking about the difference with me not being there. And I said, "Look, it's very clear. I'm Paul in this relationship." Uh, uh, Rachel is obviously John because she is pro- <laughs> she is prolific and can just drop across the universe on our heads at any point in time. We don't even know it's coming. But I'm and, but I'm kind of bullshit by myself. Like I'm on my own. I'm kind of unhinged. Well, all I sort of, of us kind really of make are, any right? sense. Like, and, by yeah. myself, I'm wings. Right? Ew, nobody wants that. <laughs> and the, You're still like a really good bass player, though. Still right. really a good bass player. Yeah. And then Sean is obviously George Harrison. Because like totally. when totally. he's on the same page, it's just like, man, this is so groovy. And then sometimes you're like, did you write a fucking waltz? <laughs> <laughs> but also you're, but also you're like, why did you have time to record that whole album? I, right, we right. were, we were arguing about like when we were going to put out Abbey Road, and you did what now? Like, yeah, right. no, it's perfect. It doesn't. Oh yeah, sense. it's a good dynamic. Well, that doesn't mean we think that we're geniuses. By the way, let's be clear. No, we don't think that we're no, musical geniuses no. or anything. No, really if, anything, if anything, that documentary is teaching me is that uh, I am much worse at music than I ever thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they had good management. Buy or sell. Well, last week, so we were talking about uh, the Ranked Choice Voting Ballot Initiative, and I said, and I've, I said, I believe my exact words were, if they can, I, if, if they get a, legal, a marijuana legalization ballot initiative up at the same time, both of these things are going to just smash and help voter turnout probably. Um, And, you know, this is how weird things happen in Missouri. And I was talking to folks at a Peter Meredith kind of campaign kickoff uh, when we all thought it was going to be the hot summer of Vax. And Mm -hmm. um, we were talking about the just disaster of a rollout of medical marijuana in Missouri. And, and by just to be clear, like, this is kind of a repeat of Illinois. Illinois' medical marijuana program was terrible. Um, they were kind of trying to figure out how to, uh, you know, either abolish it and get a new one going or whatever. And then states just started legalizing marijuana, and the Illinois legislature was like, "Yeah, let's just do that. Let's just yeah. do that." Um, so, well, and doesn't that take it out of the hands of the initiative petition folks too, right? If the legislature just passes it, oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Oof, the issues. Gone. We won't, and we won't get anything that's nearly as cool and progressive as the Illinois one. Um, you know, Mike, do I really think that Missouri's legislature will pass it on their own? Probably I not. don't think so. I think this is going to be, I think, I think they're too, incom- I think they're too, just, dis- they're too disjointed. I think like there's yeah. probably enough people in the legislature that want to do it, but they've all been so busy. Um, you know, banging their chest and acting like drunk idiot silverback gorillas that have been, you know, transplanted to a swamp in Florida. Like they're all just like running around and like, what am I doing here? And uh, so, I mean, that was a strange metaphor, but I think somehow it fits right. Like I'm mighty, but I'm drowning. What's going on? Um, I just thought of Nick Schroer and that's what came to my head is a drunk gorilla in a swamp. Um, (laughs) So I don't see those people being competent and together enough to uh, do this on their own, and I, I'm buying it. I think it's Sean, gonna. I think it's gonna happen. Think? Buy or sell. I'm buying it. Yeah, I think that 
Missouri voters, I think this ballot initiative will probably go through and hopefully it'll go through in August would be the best. It was popular when medical marijuana was on the ballot in 2018. Two thirds of voters said yes to that. And since then, as far as what I've heard anecdotally from people, at least in Kansas City, I don't know what it's like really in in St. Louis, but it doesn't seem like it's been a super harshly restrictive medical program. I think it's been somewhat simple to get a med card. And I think it's, that normalization, you know, will hopefully drive really big turnout in the pe- cities. People are curious. Well, I, right. I think also the, the issue is that you can drive across a bridge. You live in St. Louis right. and you can go to Metro East and there's a dispensary right there. And they didn't stop anybody from doing it. Um, and the medical program, the, the licensing, uh, from what I've heard, again, I'm, this is all not so much conjecture, but this is, these are conversations that I've ever heard. Um, all of it was a glad hand to Parsons friends. And so getting set up, getting established, this is what I'm worried about with legalization, by the way, is that getting established as a business is going to be very expensive. It is in California. It's cost a lot of money. It's really complicated. And, um, it could very easily favor, just a few sure. people. Yeah, likely. And I think that's probably likely to happen. But I mean, that's the price we have to pay for not sending people to jail and for people being able to understand what they're getting. I mean, it's like a different world when you know exactly when you go into a dispensary and you're like, okay, so this is my issue. I don't like feeling all jittery. I just want to take the edge off. And they're like, you want this one right here. And somebody puts a lovely little can of chocolate covered espresso beans in your hand and you pay like $20 for it. And you go home and you pop one of those in and you don't think that somebody's trying to kill you. And it's great. The people of Missouri have, I think they have more of an idea of what's coming than, than, than they're supposed to admit to their parents. But um, I think that is the future that we're about to inherit, but it's going to be a horribly run industry in Missouri because they screw everything up here. Sean, why do you say August? Because I would think from a, from a democratic politics standpoint, wouldn't you want this issue on the ballot in November in a year where there's this massive Senate race and there's a potentially competitive couple of districts out there. So why, why August to you? One, because it's more realistic and, you're exactly right. So Republicans who control things in Missouri don't want anything that's going to energize Democratic turnout on the ballot in November. Right. So when the right to work thing came out, a lot of people thought that that was pushed to August because it would have an impact on the right to work initiative itself. Like, oh, they switched it on us. They moved yeah, it. No, it was about the November ballot. Yeah. Right. It was about not having it on the ballot for Claire McCaskill's election. Right. And so anyway, so that's why I say August. And also okay. I think... It, Missouri is a low regulation state. I think if they adopt a right. recreational legal system, hopefully they don't make it expensive. Well, there I is that, that very libertarian they, they streak in the Missouri they, legislature. They will make it well, the med very, thing's not expensive, I don't think. No, it is. Right? It's hugely expensive. That was $250. Is what no, no, no. To set up a dispensary. To set it, it up, you. to actually go into business, to yeah. actually deal it. It's, it's hugely cost prohibitive. Um, and it will, uh, that's what I'm talking about in terms of, well, I'm cheering, equity. I'm cheering unmitigatedly. I'm cheering. I think this is all really good. <laughs> I think yeah, no, like, it kind is, of, it's, know, it's sort of, it's sort uh, of yeah. one of those things and where well, kind of, in terms of the outcomes, I think yeah. counties and cities and rural areas can and will ban it and you know, it'll all be fine and legal. Let's move it to the next, uh, topic from a time standpoint. 
Uh, this one is, it is Missouri, but it's also national in scope because we're talking the Senate race for 2022. And that'll be, by the way, in January, and we, we'll have to work on this in the coming weeks, start breaking down these individual races for 2022. But right now uh, here in Missouri, so Eric Schmidt uh, has, well, he's done a lot of stuff in the past week. Uh, key among that, he has issued an order threatening schools, asking parents to take non-consensual pictures of minors and videos of minors and send them to an email address uh, with his office with, of course, proper lighting and horizontal orientation. Please, we're not savages, uh, to report all of this to his office. Uh, we've had county health officials that's shutting if, down. That's, that's if, just to clarify, that's if if people see children wearing a mask. Yeah. That's what they. That's what he's asking to people yeah. to narc on. Yeah. yeah, criminal children. So county health uh, board shutting down all of their COVID tracking, uh, but we do have some some schools in places that are pushing back. By the way, some people are seeing this as uh, so. Cass County just uh, had a, a three nothing commissioner vote. Uh, the county commission. So for folks who don't maybe have that, you, you probably if you're listening to this show, you do. But the county commission is the highest seat of government in the county. They're typically three folks in Missouri. They have the ability to vote on particular issues. So Cass County's county commission voted to essentially throw out all COVID regulations. They can do that for their county. They're, that they have that legal authority to do that. So some folks see that as like they had the courage to do that. And I see it as, no, they now have the political cover to do that because Schmidt has provided that cover. But there is some pushback. Uh, there was a letter from the Lee Summit School District's legal representative. Uh, and I want to say the name to make sure I have it correct here. Uh, w. Joseph Hatley from Spencer Fain uh, Law Firm. And my God, uh, if you haven't read it, uh, the link will be in the show notes. But read this man's letter. It is uh, it is legal pornography. It absolutely is. It's the second time I've referenced pornography in this episode. I realized that uh, there's an explicit label for a reason, folks. Uh, but the this letter is just, oh my God, as a lawyer, just reading this letter, there's moments where you just go, <laughs> it's wonderful. So uh, Rachel, jump in here, Eric Schmidt this week. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit in last call. Um, for our Patreon subscribers, but, uh, the, to try, I'm just going to try to sort of characterize and, and contextualize what we're talking about, what, what Eric Schmidt's done. So we talked about this last week, last week, we didn't know if Eric Schmidt was going to appeal a decision by a fairly low circuit court judge that said mm -hmm. that no County in Missouri could issue, uh, COVID protocols, basically, like kind they didn't of. have the kind of that right. they sort of like basically like school districts couldn't tell students what to do. And that uh, so the we knew the state health director, uh, Donald Kowaroff, had said to Schmidt's office, please, please appeal this decision. And we didn't know on Sunday, or at least right. I didn't know on Sunday. The state's health director went to the state's attorney yeah. general and said, please do this. on Please behalf do of the this state. on behalf because it's your job, by the way, right. it's your it's your actual job. This was a, the, the lawsuit we're talking about was, a, a we talked about this last week. It was a group of private, private group of bereaved parent, you know, uh, agro parents um, who don't like laws and rules and think that their children are being literally muffled by a mask that just keeps their germs from spreading to other children. Right. Um, and I don't know what dark money group is funding it. Maybe there isn't, maybe it really is just genuinely a bunch of aggrieved. I have no idea, but anyway, um, I'm sure somebody does, but 
by the time our podcast dropped on Monday, Schmidt's office, I think, I think it was that quickly. Uh, and it could have been on Sunday and I just didn't catch it that Schmidt's office was like, Oh no, I'm not appealing anything. And yeah. so the wheels came off the wagon in some really terrifying ways this week for the state of Missouri. It is a literal constitutional crisis. The, the, the attorney general has a charter to defend the laws of the state. That's his job. That's his job. And local health directors absolutely have the right to issue. They have the statutory um, authority to do exactly that. Absolutely. So it would be totally, I think he knows that it would be thrown out. I think he knows absolutely that if he were to appeal the decision to a judge that isn't a, you know, schmuck appointee, I don't know where these people come from. Um, then he would, that the, the rule would basically would go back to, yeah, sure. Like if you're a County health director or a local, uh, school board or whatever, local principal, you can say no, when you come in the building, you have to put a mask on. Um, in the meantime, Eric Schmidt also threatened to, to sue, uh, is it J Johnson County schools or Jackson County schools again? Most of them. Um, just, so he just, just keeps schools. He just keeps filing suit after suit after suit against every single authority in the state that is issuing any kind of uh, protocols for to prevent the spread of COVID. Right. Um, and the cries from rural Missouri health, rural Missouri uh, health professionals was heartbreaking. I mean, really, we shared some of this on the, I think our Twitter feed. I know I did on my feed. Yeah. Um, stuff that is as, as hard for me to read as anything I've ever read my entire life um, because hospital beds are full. People are dying of things that aren't related to COVID because they can't get admitted to a hospital anywhere already. Right. Yeah. So um, it's one of the most bald-faced dereliction of duties. I don't even remember what the whole point of this whole conversation was. I'm just talking about what a, sh what a piece of <laughs> shit Eric Schmidt is now. Um, but he's using, I think the point is like that he's using the AG's office as his personal Senate campaign headquarters. Yeah. Yeah. And his campaign platform appears to be, I mean to a disease in the utterly wrong way because that disease is too liberal. It's, it, it's, it's <laughs> awful. It's awful. <laughs> It should it's it should be illegal. Like he should be absolutely disbarred. He should be barred from his office. Um, he should be forced to resign. But this is Missouri, and it's 2021, so that's not going to happen. And this is a reminder, since I am a, a barred attorney in the state of Missouri, that Rachel's opinion is Rachel's opinion. Um, so the I, not that I disagree with all of what you just said, just the parts that I can't say. Um, I understand. So oh, that's my opinion. I'm a freelance writer. I don't right. care. But yeah. <laughs> so. Here, here's I want to kind of put the train on the tracks with the case itself. So, this this particular case, it's it's it it's doesn't really matter what the actual case itself is or the name of the judge or anything like that. What we need to really understand about the case is that it was about administrative rulemaking. Okay, and and Alad Gross has done a great job of laying this case out on his social media. I encourage people to read that if you haven't. Uh, he does a very good job of going through the nuts and bolts and the very specific stuff. But the very simple thing to understand is that. When an administrative body, like the Department of Health and Senior Services in Missouri or any other state, when they make a rule, there are very particular ways they're supposed to go about making that rule. It includes having a public comment section, and the rule gets posted, and you can look at it, and you can talk to your legislature about it. You can have input as a member of the public. And this very particular rule that was made 
was challenged, and it was ruled that this very particular rule should go away because it didn't follow the administrative rulemaking process. In no way, shape, or form did this case remove the legal authority of school districts and county health boards because those are statutorily created authorities. This case can't take away statutorily created authorities. Only the legislature can do that or the Supreme Court ruling it as an unconstitutional statute in and of itself. That didn't happen at all. So the statutory authority remains for these districts. And that's the letter from the Lee Summit lawyer does a very good job of laying out that very particular authority for school districts. And and I think you are right, Rachel, that this is about relevance to his Senate campaign because on the Democratic side, it appears that Kuntz is probably going to win that, that primary. He's on the verge, I think, of going full-on Beto O'Rourke of Missouri. Like he's his media star is – constantly on the move and constantly on the rise. Um, you know, Sifton is – he's got a lot of state them support, but we haven't seen much from him from a but fundraising Kuntz is, standpoint. Kuntz has kind of found – I think he seems to have found a lane. And he, he re- yeah, he really and he's, has. He's enjoying it too. Like yeah. it's obvious that he's like Beto. He's digging it. Absolutely. And Spencer Toter, he's doing a lot of good things. He did the, he had a Kevin Strickland rally. He's had a nice op-ed in the Springfield News Leader, which the next day, by the way, Coons had an op-ed in the Springfield News Leader. <laughs> so they're they're on top of that shit. Uh, but he doesn't he doesn't have any money on hand, and it's you know he has great policy ideas and he's a nice guy, but that's hard to do if you're not reaching anybody and the rest of the field's really not reaching many folks. So that, that seems to be what's setting up here. And in the meantime, Schmidt is having trouble keeping up with Greitens. So Sean, from your, you kind of get the objective campaign guy view of this, where these policies aren't in your day-to-day life. So what are you, where is your view on this? It's super interesting to look at this, this slew YouGov poll that you linked because mm-hmm. it is deep. There's a ton of stuff in there and it was super helpful because anyone running for high office and raising a bunch of money like Eric Schmidt or, you know, any of the other top tier candidates is going to be doing their own polls. And so I think we talk later about, you know, the use of polls. One thing you can always tell from polls is what other people who read polls are reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so anyway, Eric Greitens has a 56% favorable rating inside the GOP, according to this poll. wild. Right. He has a 37% favorable rating among all voters or all respondents in this poll. Mm -hmm. And both of those numbers are higher than Schmidt. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. Like we have talked about Eric Schmidt just a ton on mm-hmm. on these shows and well, we, you know, have, we, have, point, to. Right? Well, we have to we have to like yeah <laughs> i'm gonna draw something into focus 42 <laughs> percent of gop voters are unsure what they think approve or disapprove it's not who would you vote for in the primary gop voters in missouri do you approve or disapprove of eric schmidt 42 percent i'm not sure And he's like in the newspaper all the time. That's such a big (laughs) number. So wow, that's a big number. So that's why he's acting out more. Sure, they 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 get crazy that they're not getting more attention. These politicians, it's like it drives them crazy. In a state where the Republican Senate candidate (laughs) could conceivably garner more than sixty percent of the vote, only fifty-two percent of the respondents have an opinion of a person who could be that candidate. Yeah, yeah, that's a goal. What he's got to be looking at is the numbers for Greitens Mm -hmm. because Republicans in Missouri and 
independence, independence approve of Greitens 35% uh, and That's 20% not sure. Was it, yeah. is there anything in there about our friend Vicky? Yeah. Yeah. So her numbers are low. They look somewhat like uh, Ann Wagner's numbers and <laughs> she has 38% favorability in the GOP and she's a hardcore extremist, you know? So yes, it's like, she, I'm sure she's wanting like, to get her message so out because people so will is, wrap it up. So is Greitens. Anyway, right. like so he, right. he's an extremist too. He's, but the difference he's is the pace he is on the running message. a campaign that looks a lot like he and Koontz are running similar campaigns where they're not running from the establishment. They're running at the establishment. Whereas Vicky, I mean, you know, Vicky and Schmidt, and all, they have to run from the establishment. They are the establishment. But here, here's the interesting number to me. Vicky Hartzler has $1.6 million dollars cash on yeah don't right don't now. snooze on her no. do not sleep on miss no. hartzler she can buy like that that money buys you a lot of tv time if she's and a I, skilled politician and i is. i'm certain of it that for the people that still work for her that are that are not dead uh from covid um Oof. that uh that they're looking at like so there's seven people right now in that field is uh-huh. that right i pulled uh-huh. it out of my ass but i think i'm right somewhere in there it's just a ton of people. Yeah. So what does she have to get? 36%, 40%, yeah. something like that. Right she now. She doesn't have to get. The so, main parts of that field, Eric Schmidt, uh, Eric Greitens, Billy Long, and Mark McCloskey. Okay. If you took all their money and combined it, they would have about a hundred thousand more dollars than Vicki Hartzler has. So she is something that Missouri women tend to like. Yep. She's, hella churchy um she's experienced uh she's familiar she's professional Um, but polite yes she's hey i'm gonna say this and i'm gonna throw up a little in my mouth kind of attractive um she's got that she's kind of like missouri's i said kind of and i did i don't whatever um it's like when I say Trump's charismatic. I don't like the man. I just right. think, yeah. you know, but she's kind of, it's a good she's kind thing. of like if she's kind of like if Missouri made a Sarah Palin, it would be sure. Vicki Hartzler. Right. Only Vicki Hartzler if she actually was a wealthy farm family, Sarah Palin. Yeah. And that's always if, attractive in Missouri. Yeah, yeah. And, and also like, I don't think Vicki Hartzler, I mean, I don't think she's like smart, but she's, smarter than Sarah Palin, like definitely has more. There's a reason she doesn't get a whole lot of good assignments in the house. Yeah. Well, I don't think she wants them either. Um, I suspect (laughs) that she doesn't care that much, but, um, uh, she just wants to go to her, you know, tea parties with the, like the actual, I I mean, that tea party, like the thing from the Obama years, I mean, tea parties, like women sitting around. She does wear a hell of a blazer. I mean, she does wear a hell of a blazer. It does. Uh, and I think, you know, she has a lot of, she'll have a lot of help. Um, yeah. And I'm pretty confident that the Republican establishment would uh, op- accept her with open arms sooner, maybe even at this point than Schmidt, um, because he's uh, not appealing. And well, she gets to kind of swoop in, right? Like the two mm-hmm. Eric's get to sort of mm-hmm. duke it exactly, out. And yeah. Billy Long sort of in his corner being like, y'all remember me? 
And everybody's like, no. And, is it? Uh, is Jason? Did Jason? Jason Smith said he's not doing it, right? He's he not, did, yeah, he's he not declined. Actually okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I mean, he had no chance, but none. Um, you know, it's probably because I exposed that he's unmarried and therefore, according to Senator Holly, not a man. Not, not a, a man. man. He's not a man. Right. Not a man. <laughs> he's not a man. He's um, not a man. He's not a man yeah. like I am. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a man like me. I mean, I the thing man. I I hope uh, I. You said something, Sean, that I, I'm going to reference right now, which is when we were talking about the possibility, still a very strong possibility, of a Koontz-Greitens matchup, which is That's disgusting. Lucas wants oh, everyone it's definitely to be yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. keeps saying, my and, opponent, my likely and opponent. I, and I find, it, I find it ridiculous. The only reason this is happening is because Eric Greitens is a photogenic guy. Sure. He, he looks known, good at like... Most known in general. And, and photogenic. Yeah. He's the one that like, like he catches your, he does. I mean, again, like, ew, 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 God, ew, right. ew, but He can ew. wear a suit. He can wear a suit and he can catch us. He knows how to pose for a selfie yeah. and he plays well in social. And so people that don't follow politics, which is most people will see him and go, who's that? Well, he was the, he was robbed of his government. He's robbed. Of, no one likes Parson. Like, right. so. It was just a corrupt political ruling elite like Josh. Yeah. Holly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I, the the thing that I like about Eric Greitens running is that I know Josh Howley hates him so much. So, so like much. that makes that makes me kind of like, hmm, what if they have to? Hmm, what if they have to like so, like post for photo ops stuff together? That'd like be so bad for Missouri. What if they have to campaign together? <laughs> like that's kind of the thing that makes me happy because I know that I don't get anything out of that. They just get a slap fight at some <laughs> <Yeah>. point <laughs> on <laughs> national television. Just well, I don't. I mean, but the thing is, like, what makes me nervous is that if Josh Howley had to campaign with Vicky Hartzler. He'll just, oh, she is so, like, wait, I'm going to do my Josh Alley. I can't quite do it. I have to sound like my friend Aaron impersonating his dad, who's a homophobic preacher. Hold on. <laughs> Vicki Hartzler is just going to be good for Missouri. Vicki Hartzler has been good for Missouri. Uh, she is, uh, a hard, she, she believes as I do, that there are certain family values that we need in this state and in this country. Like, he'll be so excited. It's pretty good. It's, it was a bad speech. Uh, he'll be so excited that he gets to march next to her because they're yeah. so in sync with each other. They can do a I Hobby Lobby tour throughout the state. Totally. So I don't. That's what makes me muy nervous. Muy nervoso is that she'll <laughs> oh. just look at that. She'll look at that leaderboard and go, I don't need just let them just let them at each other. I'm going to kick back. Yeah. And a month before the primary, I am going to blitz drop a the shit out of those erectile dysfunction ads. I'm going to be right next to him before and after I'm talking about pro-life and uh, Christian values. And we need to bring God back into schools and prayer in schools and all these like yep. white ladies that love that shit are going to be like, oh, God, I don't have to vote for either one of these like weird dudes I don't like. So, yeah. So is this one last, last word on this? Yeah, go Say ahead again. Can I talk about the Democratic side too? Is this what yeah, we're yeah, doing yeah. at all? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I did look at the Kuntz, the 4,000 word Politico article on him. Uh -huh. And so we were talking about Greitens. Why is that kind of, you know, you know, Kuntz is talking about Greitens being the nominee and Kuntz has, Kuntz has the most money. And so, you know, Kuntz I think has that's why people- spent a million dollars. Right. So, so that's, you know, that's what's happening there. But Kuntz doesn't seem to really have a message beyond that it'll probably be Greitens and I'm the best for that. Mm -hmm. And I did some control effing around on that 4,000 word article. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you some words that did not appear at all. 
housing, (laughs) (laughs) addiction, opioid, criminal. The word reform does not appear. Yeah. Medicare does not appear. Wage and wages does not appear. Insulin, prescription, bail, climate, social security, poverty, hunger, flood, prices. These words don't appear because he's not, he's literally not saying anything about them. And so he has no shot at winning in November if he wins the primary. Well, that is, yeah, that's an interesting point here. Here's one last interesting point. And then we'll move off of this. Uh, Scott Sifton has spent $562,000 so far. This is all according to Open On Secrets. what? 562000 oh. has 156 on hand. Mark McCluskey has spent 699000 Mark McCluskey has outspent Scott Sifton by $130,000, according to Open Secrets. And I'll, uh, say, I'll say really quickly, too. So yeah. on that note, when we're talking about the Democratic side – um, the thing that makes me nervous about Scott Sifton is while he's res- he's really respected in the state, we I want to keep saying that over and over again yeah, that absolutely. as a that as a as a as a politician and as a human being, um, everybody that I've talked to who knows a little bit about him has very said capable, like very well respected. he's very he's ex- he's an extremely moral good man who has not made a single policy statement speaking of Control F that I can find anywhere he didn't say anything when he was on our podcast. He hasn't said anything and he doesn't say anything on his campaign website. He basically just says, I'm this person that people will endorse. That's his campaign platform. So I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell that he'll do whether I, 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 Koontz is a lot more position oriented on his social media, his social, his, his platform seems to be, uh, that sort of Trump populist, like let's bring jobs back to the United States. We need climate change initiatives. He's really interested in antitrust. I don't know that I think that I agree with all of his positions, but I think that he's direction. I'll say like directionally correct to quote mm-hmm. Kara Swisher. Um, and so I think he's got it in there. I think, I think, and I think that if you get him on a good day, he could probably sound like he knows what he's talking about. Does he know what he's? T- I don't know if he really does. Yeah, know what he's well, and about. like when we talk about populism, so one thing you know, I consider myself a progressive populist, depending on how you define populist. And when I think of it, it has to be everybody, you know. But that is not how it usually functions. And so, right, I would like to hear, and how it, it's not how it usually has functioned in in American history and in in all you know, voting, you know, when, when populist candidates and movements have, have taken power, there's always been a very specific idea of who's not in the club. And I haven't heard Lucas Kuntz talk about that either. He just says he's a populist, but it's like, what are we talking about? It's not enough to just be against Facebook. I need to be able to raise a family. I need more opportunity, you know, come on. Yeah. Anyway. Well, let's move on. Uh, I'm going to shorten the next topic a little bit because we did talk a ton about that, but good stuff. So, you know, that's not a bad thing. Uh, purely national, way too early look at 2024. So this uh, this popped up uh, this week, an uh, article in the Washington Post by Karen Tumulty. Uh, and the quote is, go ahead, sucker, bet on Reagan's reelection. And it says, that was the headline that ran on the front of this newspaper's Outlook section on May 22nd, 1983. A year and a half later, Ronald Reagan would romp to a second term by winning 49 states in one of the biggest landslides in U.S. history. So 
I you know, read the article and I thought, you know, that's an interesting point. We should make some predictions. Um, <laughs> no, not really. Uh, we should just talk about kind of where things are at and sort of help folks. Because I think there is this huge, like, massive need to have an answer about 2024. Like, there's this anxiety that we have to know. Who's it going to be? We need to start the race right now. Who's the candidate? Who's going to be on the other side? Let's go because this race is going to mean everything. And there's some some pretty hyped up folks on both sides who are kind of treating this election as like there's not going to be another one. They're basically treating it like Trump's already in the race. Right. A lot of them. Right. Right. Sorry. Go ahead. No, that's that's exactly right. Um, so so in light of that, just taking a little quick update on Biden's numbers, uh, 538s aggregate. Uh, polling shows it at 43% approve, which is about steady. It's it's technically just a tick up, but not not enough to matter. Uh, some recent polling, some independent polling, Ipsos, uh, 48% approve, Rasmussen, 43 which is always going to go to the right. Um, Morning Consult, 49 YouGov, 39 uh, AP, NORC, 48 So, that 39 is pulling downward pretty heavily, and it's a pretty good pull itself. So it gets a, a pretty big weight on it. So that pulls the number down quite a bit. So the if you you know if you remove that one, it jumps up quite a bit. But if we have all the pulling in there, then it's uh, that 43 number. So that's where things are at right now. There's still a ton of time left. Uh, the flavor of the week was to write a think piece about how Biden's polling numbers or even uh, VP Harris are looking very bad and how they can't win in 2024. Uh, so let's talk some about polling realities. And I've got uh, headlines from the week. So these are three headlines. Uh, a new poll finds major warning signs for Biden and fellow Democrats. That's from NPR. Uh, Biden approval hits new low as economic discontent rises. That's from the uh, post-ABC poll. For, uh, that was published by the Washington Post. And then President Biden's job approval sinking on inflation, crime, and COVID, a poll, and that was published by ABC. So, Rachel, you're the copy editor. Headlines. Terrible copy editor. It's only because I'm a terrible copy editor. Right. Awful copy Copywriter. editor. Copywriter. Yes. Um, these headlines. Okay. I read the stories. And if you know how to read a poll, number one, you know that these stories are usually based on one poll by the company writing the story that they're hyping right. up to get clicks yeah, on their yeah. own website. Yeah. So tell us about why people need – what they need to do with these headlines. Well, here's what I'll say in general is that nothing does better than bad news. When people are happy and content, they don't follow – they don't pay attention to what's going on, right. generally speaking. They're, dis they're disengaged. Um, because they're not worried, right? Worry and anxiety, fear, uh, you know, like I haven't watched the weather. I can tell you the last time I watched the weather. I don't know when the last time I watched the weather was. Like I actually sat in front of the television mm -hmm. and watched a weatherman. You will now after your tornadoes in December. Well, I certainly was going watching the television when I thought a tornado might, you know, <laughs> land in my neighborhood and should I go in the basement, whatever. Teach you to be so blase yeah, about and the weather. Right, exactly, man. So that's that's obviously like that's more of an emergency and things like that. But the news business for the last four years has been having a field roast every single day because of Trump, because yeah. of the election, because of COVID, because we've been dealing with a lot of January 6th, like a lot of truly uh, crises level uh, 
things going on that people immediately uh, want to read about. And so nothing will get your attention faster than bad news. So if you were to take one of those headlines and say, despite, I don't know, despite, let's say I I, I harped on my Twitter this week about inflation, about the inflation headlines, inflation soars to six point whatever percent. And, you know, when you look across it, it's, it's a few things that are pulling things up and, you know, we've, we've had deflation for a long time. And so, you know, you could really kind of call it a correction. So sometimes, uh, if you take a headline, you, if you want to write it in a certain way, you can, but if you want to write it another way, you can too. So generally speaking, what I tell people is that you don't have to read. I mean, I know we're basically like a, a general awareness slash opinion podcast. That's what we are. Right. Um, we happen to talk about things that very few other people talk about. So therefore I'm going to validate the fact that I'm doing the thing that I'm going to tell you not to do. <laughs> um uh, you don't have to just spend your your life reading basically position or opinion pieces about national news. You don't have to do that. You just don't need to. If you, you don't realize even have to you're read in, them. no, you don't even have to pay attention to opinion pieces at all. Um, uh, because there's plenty of resources in the world right now invested in sort of this national story, this national picture all the time, and they're all trying to sort of beat each other to book deals. They all have egos too. Uh, to book deals to um, edging somebody out to be a talking head on, uh, you know, a CNN show or whatever. Uh, so all of those things play into when they get something breaking, they're trying to put together a news story that's going to do well on social media. That's going to click through from a newsletter. Um, probably not so much from search, but like when, you know, we'll do well on a Google news feed, things like that. So it's, they're somewhat manipulated for sure. Um, and if it's a news story, right, let's say it's actually a news story. So, you know, a, a poll came out and this is what the poll said is the news story. You can kind of ignore the headline about 60% of the time right. and just kind of dig through and go, okay, well, if you really look at it, like, yeah, the country, the, 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 the state of the country is sort of reflected in how people feel about the president and the state of the country right now, it doesn't matter if it's his fault or not, is chaotic and it's still very painful. And we still have a lot of uh, multiple fronts of challenge going on, uh, particularly because of COVID. Um, so you could say that you could say as, as us continues to struggle with Omicron virus polls reflect that, or, you know, Biden's favorability rating reflects you could you could certainly write that if you wanted to, which is also a thing, right? Like that's sure. true, isn't it? Um, did that answer your question? Was that, yeah. did that help? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I can sort of see it as like, you know, as as nation struggles with perception of Aaron Rodgers, Joe Biden's poll numbers, like all of those things can can be true at the same time. So, Sean, tell us about the reality of reading polling, because that's something that you were just going over some polling. So when you're looking at polling, what are you really looking for? What what makes it stand out to you? You know, what actually matters? Yeah, so polls are super, super valuable for anyone who is <laughs> running for office or working on a campaign. Right. To say otherwise is silly. And, you know, polls are expensive. And part of the reason is because they're hard to do. They call hundreds and hundreds of real people, and they'll get hundreds and hundreds of people hanging on the phone with them for, you know, 15 or 20 minutes. 
answering all these questions. And when you look at a national poll, like a presidential poll, and it says Hillary 48, Trump 46, that is, even that's not meaningless. What it tells you is it's a close race nationally. Right, right. But, you know, it doesn't really tell you what's going to happen in the outcome of that election because, of course, we have the Electoral College. And then for every other election, there are similar caveats. It's going to be about what is the issue that's animating independent voters or voters who are up for grabs most of all. And you can also use polls to find that out. Like in this Missouri poll, they asked voters, do you think teachers should be allowed to teach critical race theory? And when 42% of people are unsure what they think of Eric Schmidt, 51% think it should not be allowed (laughs) to teach critical race theory in Missouri. So if you're running statewide, like Lucas Kuntz or Eric Schmidt, you know, I'm sure he would love to pivot. Actually, well, I don't know what the hell he's doing. Um, well, he's talking CRT's a lot about going to make your kids theory. gay. He, he's What's talking that? plenty about critical race theory. Oh, okay, right. Oh okay. yeah, no, he won't. He won't. He won't try. He won't. He will not shut the hell up. But it's all over his news. Yeah. His Mask mandates his, uh, and critical race theory. Yeah, that's all he's his, talking about. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you you can see what people are animated by, and you can see trends. Also, you can see snapshots and trends. Right. The trick is just knowing what you're looking at. Yeah. The polls so, are weird too, because you could. Oh, sorry, I was just going to no, say, no, like go you can, you can. So some of them are kind of. I, I do wish that we would change the way that we do polling. I'm not saying that I don't think we have to call people and say, "What do you think?" I think that when you say, "Hello, I'm calling for said, do you have ten minutes to answer questions about?" Blah, blah, blah. Uh, you've all, we've all done it. That's what they sound like when they call you, and it's like, "What do you say?" The Joe Biden's family has a favorable, a not a favorable, favorable, unfavorable. Yeah, being included, and now. so you can't, yeah. and you can't. When you're when because I I do them because sometimes I just feel bad for the person on the other end of the phone, um, and uh, you know when you're when you which is, is another favorite? reason why polling is not that reliable, by the way. Right, <laughs> and so also like sometimes you're just given these sort of binary choices. Right, it's, it's it's I approve or I disapprove or I don't know what you're talking about and I don't care or I don't care. Like it's just it's they're all very like kind of there. There's no nuance to them, and right. the way that poll questions are still written a lot of times to me looks like it's still 1965. Like, okay, can we can we bring some nuance? To the, because I think that that way uh, you'll actually get better information, and you'll actually sort of learn more about what your voters want to talk to you about. But when you're a newspaper, they don't care about that they don't they what they want is a news story that's what they're using it for they're using it for a news story and then they spend the day listening to msnbc and cnn and maybe fox occasionally go new poll from the blah blah says that biden is in the tanker you know like it feeds the whole cycle for 24 hours and that's what a lot of these newspapers want too is a new ap blah blah poll i don't want to i don't want to drag the ap i love the ap Someone I don't like. I don't know. Another paper. Whatever. <laughs> Here, let me uh, tell you something I saw in this poll before okay. you trash polls anymore. Okay. I don't trash polls. It's how they're, it's how they're done. <laughs> but no, I'm with you. 52% of Missouri voters, where 80% of Republicans approve of Josh Hawley, and he won by 22 points or whatever, 52% think that the government should spend more money to aid the poor. So you can learn a lot by how they <laughs> ask the questions, you know, to your point about when you do dig in, they right. just ask people straight out in Missouri, do you think the government should spend more money to aid the poor? And 52% Because if you just ask, is government spending good? That right, would be a much right, different Right, exactly. And so, and I'm just saying like, that's when it comes down to, you asked, you were saying like, how do you know 
when you're scanning a headline, like consider the source of the poll always. What yeah. what is if you're going to check out polls, you don't have to read right. polls if you don't want to. Right. Everybody talks about them all the time. By the time we're always at this point in a new presidential cycle, the second I hear a new poll, I want to punch someone in the face because I'm not running for office. Right. Like polls. I know you're (laughs) campaigning manager. You're supposed to. Well, that's, that's sort of part of the point of bringing this up is to, is to point out number one, like, you know, Rachel's saying you can basically pair it with whatever you want. And then what Sean is saying is, you know, there's all these details that are actually in the poll. If you read the poll, that's actually there. And so the to bring it together, right, as a trial lawyer, I use themes in, in cases. I try to find something in a case that I can make it as sort of the core element of the case. This case is about – it's a redemption story or this case is about an unfair outcome or this case – you know, whatever. And – uh, or for a criminal defense case, uh, which I, I use a lot with my students, perceptions, right? The way you look at things changes the way that you feel about them. And if you look at it at a slightly different angle, right, it's the My Cousin Vinny, uh, you know, he's going to show you this these bricks. He's going to say they're very specific. But what he won't show you is that if he turns them on their side, they're as thin as his playing card, right? And that's the whole perceptions game. Yeah. And so they take these headlines and they take these polls and they want you to have this particular perception and because the point of the theme is to say, look, when you go back to deliberate, you know, or, you know, whether it's a judge or a jury, when you're looking at everything here, yeah, there's this pile of information and there's all these facts over here. But here's the part of it that I want you to focus on. Here's the part that I want you to take away from it. And that's really, to me, the whole point of the way we talk about polling is – if we if we talk about polling the way Sean talks about polling, if we just go, here is the question, here is the response, here is the question, here is the response. Instead, we have turned polling into this conclusory tea leaf type thing Correct. where every poll means this is going to happen. And, and, and it's also, not how it works. And also as like – so I'm a marketer, Sean Diller. I like I, – I have been known to invest in market research occasionally – um, I've never worked for a company big enough that had like deep enough pockets to do it properly, but I've done, you know, little things here and there. And like, as a marketer, like data is everything. And, you know, how did something behave? How does something right. perform? And you have all these data points. And at some point you need a source of truth of something. If you, if you want to know that something's working. And that's why I think polls are really great for campaigns. Um, research is really important in general. So if you're someone who's doing, uh, any kind of political strategizing, if you're an activist of any sort, if you're trying to sort of change, the conversation uh, on a per- certain policy, you have to talk to people. I mean, you have to find out how they feel about it. I just don't think that newspapers that have so much to talk about, right, in the world, there's so many things that they could be right. getting us excited about or following, uh, ha- helping us to understand. That's really kind of one of the things that journalists are supposed to do is help you understand something that's complicated and difficult. And Instead, there's still this tendency to be like, well, we got to talk about this Biden approval poll. And it's become this level of obsession because, Adam, you're exactly right. Everybody wants to pull the right straw this early in a presidential administration, right? Everybody wants to pull the right straw. I remember in 2017, I know it was still 2016, I read a Bernie Sanders interview. I think it was when Matt Taibbi was still at the Rolling was still at Rolling Stone. I think it was the two of them. And um, I was like, oh, Bernie, what do we do, Bernie? What are we going to do, Bernie? 
And he started talking about the midterms. He's like, all right, midterms, here we go. Boom. We got to take, we got to do it. we got to crank it out. Let's, let's, let's get some progressives in the house. Let's do it. And, um, and he said, if, if you, if if, I can't believe I'm telling you this, but the day after the election, people were calling me and asked me what I thought about 2020. And he was like, I can't, he won last night. Like you're asking me this this morning. So this is a tendency that has always been with us is to sort of like try to crack open the predictor bubble. Um, But it is, it's, I do think that we've kind of hit a new level of like oversaturation with this kind of information. I don't know that I've ever seen it quite. I think it's because it's, it's part of like the post Obama effect Mm -hmm. um, because he was so, he was so popular and, and no one really saw the tea party coming and then no one saw Trump coming. So now the press is just constantly trying to like stay ahead of itself so that they never get duped again by the thing that they could just, whatever. I could go on about that forever, but. Well, I'm a quick edit on the show sheet. I'm just going to jump right to the last couple of questions. Very quick answers here. Uh, Will it be Biden Harris again, 2024? No, no. Rachel. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I think, uh, I think the conditions that made him feel comforting to a lot of people, uh, 2020 don't exist anymore. Um, we don't have, I don't, I don't think Trump's going to be the candidate either, by the way, I think that's not going to happen. Um, uh, so the second question, if Biden doesn't run, do they give it to Harris? No, I was going through the list of the people who would have to give it to her and, it's a bunch of people who won ran against her before, but it has been reported that, you know, she doesn't have these great relationships in the Senate. And so when you think of people who might have a strong opinion shaped by some of these negative articles recently and some of her missteps, you know, who might be extra tough on Kamala Harris? Right. I would think maybe Senator Amy Klobuchar might think that Kamala Harris is not up to snuff. <laughs> you know? sure, yeah. uh, same with some of these other cats. And so I think that, you know, people aren't going to get out of the way for for Harris. What do you think, Rachel? And we'll end it on that. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to agree with Sean. Um, I, she, she, I think it, I, I understand the choice. I don't know that it was the choice that I would have made uh, if I were Joe Biden. Uh, apparently he had a fundraising off right between her, uh, what Karen Bass, uh, Amy Klobuchar, and somebody else, right? Wasn't that like that was like he like hilariously in this prediction game? I totally called it like two years ahead of time, but that was going to be Harris Biden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I made a bunch and, of money Biden, on Biden it. Harris. Biden Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I thought. I mean, I thought there was a moment where she had a chance as a nominee, but she uh, she doesn't have good political instincts in that way. Yeah. She just doesn't. She just doesn't. Put, it's just not what she has. Put me down for Tammy Tulsi, twenty four. <laughs> I think I agree with what both of you have said, but yeah, I don't really have a guess at this point. I don't have a guess at this point. I have a guess. I mean, and that's not th- my real guess. God, God knows. I never would have pulled. No, there's this gay veteran who's the ex mayor of, 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 a ta- of, of, uh, what's Majigger, Indiana. And he's going to run for president and he's going to do great. Like I yeah. never in my wildest dreams would I have pulled that out of my hat. So yeah. Um, I didn't think that somebody like Andrew Yang, who I think totally shit all over his political future, by the way, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I've, I've seen someone do in a long time that <laughs> decision to run for mayor of New York. What are you doing? Um, yeah. didn't think he would do well. And he did. Um, uh, th- that was an interesting, that was an interesting stage. There were a lot of really compelling people on I it. One if of them, Beto, if he loses his governor's race, 
God. After he lost he the can't, Senate race. He can't. And the president's he can't. race. Would he? No. That's no. me shaking my head and making no. like jelly face. But if he wins, he'll almost certainly run. And I was also thinking, Jared Polis, <laughs> the governor here. Uh, Jared Polis, that's an interesting name. But we'll, well yeah, that'll be a fun yeah, conversation I mean, to have. He's he's more interesting to me than uh than than Colorado Senator uh for former Pick. governor. And he was and, in last time too. Yeah. Why wouldn't he yeah. jump in? Anyway. Yeah. Because he's boring. God, he's right. boring. Good God, he's boring. God, right, he's well, boring. Well, that'll fix. That'll uh, do it for the talking politics. We're gonna jump over to last call and reminder to everybody that the last call you'll get a, a couple of minutes of it unless you are a Patreon subscriber and you get the whole episode over there. So heartlandpod.com, Patreon subscribe to get the whole thing. See you in a second for last call. Last call. Yeah. <laughs> I want to keep the energy, so let's hit the record button. Yes. Uh, okay, last call. We are here to talk about a very simple thing, and yet such a complicated thing. How are you doing? Rachel, <laughs> how are you doing? Oh how are gosh. you? How are you doing? I'm not okay. Like, so I wrote, uh, I, I, I sat down a couple days ago, and I it was the first, I've been really candid about, you know, going through aging and it's interesting that we're talking about this the week that Sex and the City rebooted. And I was, <laughs> no, seriously, no, hold on. I'm going to bring it back. I'm bringing it back. Okay. And I was really cynical about it because the movies were terrible. And like, I, you know, I, what can I, like, of course I love that show. That show's like my big sister. And, um, and I, there are plenty of women my age and younger who feel that way. Like that shows like, that's what it is. It's like a big sister written by two gay dudes. And, um, and a lot of women, there are a lot of women in that writer's room but the movies were awful. And so like, how are they going to, what are they going to do? And they're, they're having, uh, I thought it was actually really good. I don't think it's great. I think it's solidly good, which is how I felt about the TV show too. And they're talking about middle age in a really kind of characteristic way that the show does in a kind of like unvarnished sort of like, it's, it's not pretty literally like, it's not pretty. They look like Sarah Jessica Parker looks natural. So does Cynthia Nixon. Uh, anyway, and what's interesting about my watching that is that I was watching it because I had just gotten a steroid shot on my neck because I have stenosis, which is a form of arthritis. And so I've been walking around with like pretty serious pain. Uh, haven't been sleeping. Um, working's been real, very, very, very challenging. And the, this week for me in the world of Missouri politics, I said this on the show earlier was one of the more brutal that I can think of. Um, it why, was, why was it that much worse than normal for you? Because I, I saw, I understand how law works. Right. And what I, I can't go anywhere. Right. I can't, I don't, I'm not living anywhere no, clo, no, close to a normal life. Right. And the vaccination rates in, so COVID, COVID cases are going the wrong way right now. Heartland Pod is a production of Midmap Media LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. With email, you can reach us heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. Online with heartlandpod.com. Subscribe and please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a podhead or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show.